You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. Olympic Destroyer may have started with a supply chain compromise back in December. The British Foreign Office blames Russia for not Petya pseudo-ransomware, and the Russian Foreign Ministry says they didn't do anything. Trend micro-researchers find a new Monero crypto mining campaign underway. Coin Herder fishes in altcoin wallets. The Satori botnet has expanded its target list. A new IoT botnet, Double Door, gets into routers with a one-two punch. And the Lupex ICO vanishes into thin air. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, February 15th, 2018. The hacking of the Winter Olympics appears to have been under preparation at least since December. Investigations suggest that the game's cloud provider, Atos, may have been compromised two months before the Olympics opened. Atos has brought in McAfee to help with its investigation. There appears to have been a reconnaissance phase late last year in which Atos credentials were illicitly obtained and used to prepare for this month's attacks. This is consistent with Cisco's Talos unit's findings. Malware used in the Olympic Destroyer campaign has turned up in VirusTotal, uploaded by unnamed users in France and Romania. Atos is headquartered in France and has significant offices in Romania. The company has confirmed, with McAfee's help, that some of its credentials were hard-coded into the Olympic Destroyer malware. The campaign is now generally regarded as an IT supply chain attack. It's worth noting that the disruption does not seem to have extended to the management of the games themselves. Events have gone off as planned, and scoring and timing systems show no signs of tampering. There is no unambiguous evidence that would support attribution, but speculation continues to point toward Russia on grounds of motive and opportunity. The British Foreign Office has directly attributed last year's NotPetya pseudo-ransomware campaign to Russia. Officials have also warned the Russian government 
that the UK will not tolerate another disruptive attack. Russian representatives dismiss the attribution as Russophobia. The UK has been deliberate in its attribution. Ukraine was, unsurprisingly, first out of the gate to blame Moscow, and U.S. official opinion has tracked Ukraine's since last summer at least. The 5G mobile network is being prepped, tested, and rolled out, and it promises speed and convenience. But what about security? We checked in with Scott Register, Vice President of Product Management for Cloud and Security Products at Ixia, a Keysight business, to learn more. The ultimate goal of 5G is to basically converge all of the networks that you think about today, mobile, wireline, wireless, Wi-Fi, and you know what we think of as 4G or LTE, all of those different ways that you access the network today in different environments and for different purposes, 5G should ultimately sort of subsume all of those so that there is one very high-speed access mechanism that's available sort of anytime, uh, anywhere. That's the goal. You have all these different things that are available uh, on top of a shared infrastructure. One of the nice things about 5G is that, at least to get started, uh, the providers can reuse a lot of the basic 4G infrastructure that they've built out now, and especially the service providers who have started to invest in, uh, like especially in NFV and SDN to help them scale and automate, those can move more quickly. But I, I think even late 18, early 19, you'll start to see kind of initial things at least build as 5G, although I think it's going to, in reality, it will take multiple years, much like the transition from, if you think about the, the transition from 3G to you know 4G slash LTE, there are lots of kind of marketing claims uh, around that. Oh, we've got the first network. Well, it wasn't really full you know, LTE, even though it claimed, you know, 4G. So you'll, you'll see a, a couple of years uh, involved in the, in the rollout, but I think we'll start to see things, you know, at least marketed that way, even, even late 18. And so from a security point of view, I would imagine, you know, as we've gone through the various uh, versions of, of wireless, uh, uh, you know, um, data technology, um, security has become more and more front and center are there any specific um, technologies in 5G that improve the security posture of it? Yes and no. There are some technologies being uh, applied, but because of the scale, right? If you think about replacing all these different networks, you know, the network in the coffee shop, the network in your house, the network in your office, network in the hospital, if you replace all of those with kind of one big network, management becomes uh, difficult just because of the sheer scale. So automation becomes very, very important. And so you'll have an automation layer that sits on top of your virtual devices, you know, NFV devices, because those you can provision and tear down very rapidly, uh, as well as SDN, you know, for flexible kind of plumbing uh, between those. So with that, you will indeed have the ability to say things like, when this kind of device, let's say a medical device or a car or whatever comes online, I want to provide end-to-end -end encryption and provision that through my network from that device. Maybe it's just to the egress of the network, or maybe it's all the way back to the auto manufacturer's site or you know, into their service cloud. Maybe certain types of devices 
I want to do I want to do device authentication. I want to do very some very strong authentication to make sure that this particular I don't know pacemaker is exactly the one that I think it is. And so it's not so much a new technology; it's just more kind of widespread uh, and standardized adoption of the, a lot of the technologies that we have today, but in a standardized way and and spread across the network. Now, the kind of counter to that is getting that security right becomes really, really important because of the two things we've talked about. One is the sheer scale, the number of devices that are on the network. And two is that shared infrastructure concept. If you think about the biggest IoT denial service attack that we know of recently, like the uh, the Dyne attack, they, they use DNS uh, coming from uh, vulnerable webcams, like IoT devices, right? That was a massive attack, and it took down you know major DNS services on the East Coast, lots of companies offline, et cetera. It was a big deal, and it kind of leveraged the sheer scale of IoT devices. Now, think about that device count, which was maybe in the you know, just tens of thousands, and then multiply it out enormously. So maybe it's it's in the millions or it's in the hundreds of millions, Think about the scale of what that kind of attack could look like, coupled with the fact that the network is not isolated, meaning, yeah, the Internet is big and it's important to us, but you can maybe still talk to people inside your building, even if the Internet is down. You can still make phone calls from your phone, even if DNS is down for major parts of, of the country. But if whatever security uh, denial service attack, maybe a denial of service attack, but not exactly looking the, the way that we think of one today, if that is able to impact not just the slice of the network that you're on, but the actual infrastructure that's providing services for all of these different slices, then that is that's a really bad thing, right? Because someone launches a denial of service based on some car network over here, and suddenly people's you know healthcare devices go offline. Uh, or they can't unlock their doors, or they can't get into their buildings, or they can't read email or whatever. That becomes a really big deal. So how we apply that security and how we make sure that it protects the infrastructure that underpins all of these you know, different provision networks, as well as you know, provide security for the end devices, provide things like end-to-end encryption, yeah, that becomes even more important than it is uh, to, today. That's Scott Register from Ixia. We have an extended version of our interview on our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters get first access to it, and then in a few days, it'll be available for everyone. It's at patreon.com slash the cyberwire. Researchers at security firm Trend Micro report that their sensors have detected vulnerabilities in Apache CouchDB that are being exploited in the wild by Monero crypto mining malware. Cryptojacking is currently drawing the most attention from cyber criminals, probably because it's relatively easy to pull off, even if the payout seems, if reports are to be believed, relatively small. The big money seems to be in straightforward scams. In one such campaign, CoinHerder is now under investigation by the Ukrainian police with an assist from Cisco. CoinHerder is a complex phishing operation that uses Google AdWords to poison search results in ways that induce victims to give up access to their wallets, which the criminals then proceed to loot. Losses from CoinHerder are said to run to some $50 million. Botnets continue to be used for various criminal purposes. 
The Satori botnet is evolving, according to security firm NetLab360, and now affects routers made by South Korea's Dasan networks. This development is regarded as serious by observers, if only because it's unlikely that the routers will ever be patched. The Security Team Vulnerability Disclosure Service, part of the firm Beyond Security, told Ars Technica they tried without success to contact Dasan in October. Dasan has so far not commented, but about 40,000 routers could be susceptible to Satori. Satori, you'll recall, is a variant of Mirai. And researchers at New Sky Security say that their honeypots have detected the formation of a new IoT botnet. This one is being called Double Door because it chains two exploits to bypass a firewall and compromise a router. The first backdoor, which is CVE 2015-7755, affects the firewall, Juniper Network's net screen. The second, CVE 2016-10401, enables privilege escalation to obtain a superuser account on Zizel PK501Z devices. Both vulnerabilities are, of course, known and have been addressed by the vendors, but a large number of susceptible devices remain unpatched. And finally, we all like transparency, right? There's been another initial coin offering scam reported, and people have thought for a while that the startup involved lacked transparency. LoopX, which may have been a cryptocurrency exchange, had promised a proprietary algorithm yielding great profits continually every month. What that algorithm, which they called the Loop algorithm, actually did was unclear. So LoopX lacked transparency. But over the weekend, it achieved a different kind of transparency by vanishing into thin air. And everybody now sees right through it. Investors in the ICO are left sadder but wiser to the tune of some $4.5 million. Hey, everybody. want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard, and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. 
offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, welcome back. Uh, we had a story come by via The Hill, uh, and this is about the New Jersey governor signing some net neutrality orders. Now, of course, we've seen the FCC back off of net neutrality. So uh, are, are the states taking matters into their own hands? So they're trying. There's a limit to what the states can do. So, of course, President Obama instituted regulations establishing net neutrality. The FCC overturned those regulations uh, a couple of months ago, and that sort of left the void for proponents of net neutrality to kind of filter down to the states. New Jersey just elected a new governor, uh, Phil Murphy, who signed an executive order prohibiting all uh, ISPs that do business within the state from blocking, throttling, or favoring web content. Now, this could potentially be legally problematic. Hmm. Within the regulations laid out by the FCC are what are called uh, preemption elements. And what preemption means is that there's something in the regulation that says states cannot regulate net neutrality beyond the scope of what's been regulated by the federal government. And Congress and federal agencies have the right to do that under our constitutional system. If they write in that federal law preempts, then federal law preempts. Mm. Where we sometimes see exceptions to that is when the state acts not as a regulator, but as a purchaser. So New Jersey, in the course of its business, has to uh, purchase services from uh, from internet service providers. So, for instance, they have to have internet access at the state house, and they have to have internet access at the DMV. So, somebody is sending a check to Comcast or to AT and T. Right. And what this executive order does is it says you are not eligible for these contracts if you throttle internet services, if you block web content, and not just to uh, us, to anybody in the state. So it's not to anybody in the state. It's just as it applies to companies doing business with the government. And that's oh. really the only power the state of New Jersey has here. Uh, if they were to pass some sort of law banning net neutrality, the FCC would step in and say the preemption applies. This is a nat uh, national issue. Congress has the right uh, and through the federal agencies to regulate interstate commerce. This certainly falls under inter uh, interstate commerce. Uh, they've chosen to preempt state action on this. But where the states do have a little leeway is is in their own purchasing practices. And uh, I think that's what the governor of New Jersey is trying to, to leverage here. Now, a separate issue is that a bunch of states, uh, state attorneys general, I always get that term incorrectly, <laughs> are suing uh, the FCC on the basis of uh, overturning net neutrality. And, and that's a whole separate question. But until that's resolved, States can try to enact regulations. I think they're going to be subject to pretty strict uh, preemption uh, lawsuits from the FCC and the federal government. Um, so they have to sort of use creative maneuvers uh, to, to get around that preemption. And using their power as a consumer in the market, as a purchaser, I think is a, is a really strong way to do that. Interesting stuff. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. 
And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. <laughs>